Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, we are going to get into the Word of God and continue our worship of Him by studying His Word. So let's go before the Lord in prayer once again. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the work you've been doing in, our, in and through our lives, Lord. And thank you for our families. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. And for all the prayers you've answered, Lord, we thank you. You're so wise. You're so good. You're so loving and gracious and merciful. I just pray for tonight, Lord, that your word will go forth and not return void. That your word, Father, will accomplish his purpose wherever your word is going out this evening, Lord. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and the fresh filling of your spirit. And may I decrease and you increase and may you be glorified, Lord. Help us, Lord, once again, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, in our previous lesson... Eli, the high priest during this time, he scolded his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And he scolded them because of the evil they were doing. But of course, they didn't listen to their father. And then in our previous lesson, it tells us that a man of God came to Eli and he told him about the judgment against his lineage or against his descendants. And the judgment was that their lives, his descendants' lives, were going to be cut short. And that they would no longer serve as God's priests. And Eli did nothing else besides scold his sons. And not only was he their father, but he was also their boss as high priest. And again, they were priests. And he could have and should have removed them. From service as priests, just seeing all of the things that they were doing. They were not representing God the right way. They were not looking out for the betterment of the people. They were fleecing the flock. They were having sexual relations with the women. However, even in the midst of this time, we see that young Samuel continued to grow And he continued to minister before the Lord. Yet and still, yet and still, these other men, they were just doing evil. Even still, Samuel was faithful. Now today we're going to go into 1 Samuel chapter 3, where the title of tonight's message is God is speaking. God is speaking. And so in verse 1 in Samuel 3, it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, which meant that he was serving the Lord under the supervision of Eli. And it tells us in verse 1 that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. In other words, that there, there were no new revelations of divine truth. Or there were no new prophetic visions. And so apparently God giving his word directly to a person or to a prophet to share with the people was rare in those days. And this, of course, could be due to the people's hardness in their hearts. And so this was a sign of judgment that they would get no new revelations. That the word of the Lord will be rare or scarce in those days. And it came to pass, as we continue in verse 2, at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. And so he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. 
And Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Eli answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And so the Lord began to call Samuel before the lamp went out in the tabernacle. We find out from these verses. Now, as a figure of speech, this means that it was before dawn. It was before dawn. And so this lamp of God actually refers to the lampstand that was in the tabernacle. And this lampstand was situated outside of the veil in the holy place which was the first part of the tabernacle. And that golden lampstand burned from evening until morning. So if you were to walk into the tabernacle, to your right, you would see the table of showbread, and to your left, you would see the, the, the golden lampstand. And Exodus 27, verse 21 tells us about the responsibility that these priests had to tend the lamps on this golden lampstand. They were to do it once again until sunrise or just before dawn. And now the ark of God, and I have to touch on that because it speaks about the ark of God. Now the ark was located in the same tabernacle. However, it was behind the veil in the most holy place. This was in the far room. And so once again, as you were walking to the tabernacle, to your right, you see the table of showbread. To your left, you would see the the golden lampstand. And right in front of you, you would see that, that altar where they would burn incense. And then behind the veil, you would have the Ark of the Covenant. And only the high priest was able to enter behind that veil just once a year on the Day of Atonement. But this ark was located, of course, in that same tabernacle where that golden lampstand was. And this ark of God was a sacred chest made of wood, and it was overlaid with gold, and it contained the golden pot of manna. It contained Aaron's rod that budded. And it also, of course, contained the law of God on the two tablets of stone. And you can read about that in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. But obviously here in our lesson in in verses 2 through 7, the voice of God, as he called out to Samuel, it was audible. Now Samuel at this time, he may have been a young teenager or he could have been 12 years of age. But of course, he didn't know it was the Lord's voice. And he didn't know because the scriptures tell us that he did not yet know the Lord, nor had he ever received a direct word from him. See, Samuel knew of the Lord or he knew about the Lord, but he didn't have a personal encounter. He didn't have a personal experience or relationship with the Lord at this time. And so this voice that he was hearing was foreign to him. It was unrecognizable to him. And there's many people today who've heard about the Lord. They know of God, but they haven't experienced God. So it's a different thing to know God by experience in a personal relationship. There's a difference there between knowing him personally and just knowing about him. There's many people that'll tell you, oh, I believe that There was a Jesus, but they don't necessarily believe that he was the son of God or that that he is God, that he's fully God, fully man. They don't necessarily believe that. And there are some who may even believe that, but they don't have a personal relationship with him. And so, yes, there's people like that today who know about the Lord, but don't know him by experience. And today, many people, they clamor, they fight to get in line to get the autographs of movie stars and athletes. 
many people would like to get acquainted with and like to get to know some of these famous people. But I just want to share with you tonight that if there's anyone you want to become acquainted with and to know by experience, it needs to be the Lord. And the Lord, in verse 8, it says, he called Samuel again the third time. And so he arose and he went to Eli and he said, here am I, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, verse 9, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. So this time he called him twice and Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. See, God didn't quit calling Samuel after the first time. The scriptures tell us here that he called him three more times before Samuel responded. And this last time, this fourth time, it says that the Lord came and he stood and he called Samuel. Now, this wasn't a dream and this wasn't a vision, but this was a manifestation of the Lord's presence as he came and stood and called Samuel's name twice. But I do want to focus on that point, how the Lord didn't stop calling him after that first time. After Samuel, you know, thought it was Eli calling him, he didn't stop calling him the second time or the third time. In fact, he gave him a fourth time and called his name twice. And there I see the persistence and I see the patience of God in pursuing his chosen vessel. And in this particular instance, Samuel is God's or was God's chosen vessel. And I just want to submit to you tonight that, that God is calling some of you maybe to some type of ministry that he wants you to do. Or maybe it's an outreach that he wants you to be a part of or to head up. And maybe the Lord has been calling your name, has been calling out to you one, two, three, maybe four times. Some of us ten times and you haven't yet responded. In fact, you probably got it wrong and thinking it's somebody else calling you. You're probably thinking that it's your own thoughts. Oh, that's just me. That's just my mind going crazy. But it could be the Lord calling you. Then there's some people who don't even have a relationship with the Lord at this time. And of course, the Lord loves you. He, he loves you because it says that while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. And there are some people tonight who are not his children that he is calling to come into a relationship with him by repenting and putting their faith in Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, some of these people haven't responded to the call. Oh, but God is so merciful. He is so persistent and he is so patient. And I experienced this in my own life before I became a believer. How God allowed me to try to so-called bargain with him. I had my own goals and God wanted me to stop doing something. And I just went back and forth with God for months. Oh, but the persistence and the patience of God and, and praise God in August of 1997, I finally surrendered to him. And haven't been the same. And, and many of you have a similar testimony. That you appreciate the patience and the persistence of God to call those who are his chosen vessels. To call those that Jesus Christ died for on that cross. In verse 11 it says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle, it'll ring or shudder. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house or his family from beginning to end. Well, he's going to do everything he said he was going to do. He said, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile. Or they defiled the sanctuary. Some translations say they, they were cursing God. 
And Eli did not restrain his sons. He didn't correct or discipline them. And therefore, in verse 14, he says, I have sworn to the house or family of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. And so it was too late for them that judgment will come to pass. And so it'll be a shocking thing that God is going to do against Eli's house because of his sons, because of their wickedness. When they were dealing with those sacrifices, they were being greedy. They didn't respect the Lord's sacrifice. They were digging in and they didn't care about the Lord's portion. They didn't care about these people who truly came to uh, know the Lord a little better and to draw closer to God in their worship. They didn't care. They didn't care about these women who were volunteers and they assisted the priests and the Levites at the tabernacle of meeting this place of worship in Shiloh. They didn't care about them and they had sexual relationships with them. And so, yes, it'll be a shocking thing that God is going to do against Eli's house. And he says that whoever hears it, both of their ears will tingle. It's going to shudder. And so Eli, he didn't do enough. He didn't do enough to restrain them. And so if you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 27 through 36, there was a man of God who wasn't even named in the lesson. But he shared with Eli himself about this judgment that he was going to bring against his family because he failed to restrain his sons. And these people who hear about this, they're going to shudder. And I just wonder today if people understood what's going to come upon this earth during the time of the tribulation, that seven-year tribulation period, that 70th week or that last week of Daniel's prophecy. Oh, if people understood what's going to take place during that period, I wonder if they would shudder. I wonder if they would tremble. Those who don't have a relationship with Jesus and will be left behind. They won't go up in the rapture. You see, right now we are in the church age. And the church age began at Pentecost in the book of Acts. And the church age will go up until the the rapture of the church where he takes his bride. Then we're going to meet him in the air. We're going to be transformed. We're going to forever be with him. And so that'll be the end of the church age. And sometime after the rapture, after the church is snatched up, they're going to be that, that seven-year tribulation period. Once again, it's the 70th week of Daniel. If you read the book of Daniel, you'll see that. But people, if they hear about what's going to take place during that tribulation period, oh, their ears should shudder. In other words, they should tremble because during this tribulation period, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be scarcity of food. There's going to be widespread death. There's going to be the the post-rapture saints being martyred. There's going to be great earthquakes. There's going to be cosmic disturbances during that time, and vegetation is going to be hit hard. There's going to be the death of many creatures in the seas and ships will be destroyed. Fresh water sources will be affected during this time. Remember the the scriptures tell us in the book of Revelation, you have the seven seal judgment, the seven seals judgment. And then you have those seven trumpet judgments. The seven seals judgment and the seven trumpet judgments, they happen. That actually happens in the first half in the tribulation period. The first three and a half years. And we haven't even gotten to the seven bowl judgments. But you see all this stuff happening. Freshwater sources being affected. Demonic creatures being released from the bottomless pit. Be loosed upon the earth. The devil will be confined to the earth. He won't have any more access to heaven. The scriptures say that he is the accuser of the brethren. You even seen it in the book of Job where he was accusing Job. 
but he's going to be relegated only to the earth during that time. And when he's relegated only and confined only to the earth during that time, he's going to actually possess the Antichrist. Oh, this is going to be at that three and a half year mark. And he's going to go after the Jews. He's going to really go after them and try to kill them. During this time, the scriptures tell us in Revelation that during the time of the tribulation period, there's going to be one world government, one world economic system, one world religion. Then many people will worship the Antichrist. And so during that time, in other words, you're going to have religious Babylon and then you're going to have commercial or political Babylon. That's what you're going to see during that time. People are going to worship the Antichrist. The second half of the tribulation period, the last three and a half years, you're going to have those seven bowl judgments. Oh, yeah, the judgments, they ramp up and become more severe throughout the tribulation period. And so this is what this is what folks on earth who will be left behind after the rapture have to look forward to. And when people hear that, oh, their ears should tingle, their ears should shudder, just like those people who heard about what's going to happen to Eli's house. Well, I wonder if people really understood what's going to happen on this earth in the tribulation period, by the way. That's going to be God pouring his wrath upon the earth. The wrath of the Lamb. That's going to be the wrath of God literally being poured upon the unbelieving Christ rejecting world. And so people should shudder and stop playing games with God. And so Samuel lay down until morning in verse 15 and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. And then Eli called Samuel and he said, Samuel, my son. He answered, here, I'm, here I am. And, and he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. In other words, God will punish you terribly if you hide anything from me that God shared with you. Then Samuel, this young man, told him everything and he hid nothing from Eli. And he said, Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. See, God entrusted Samuel with this message. And God entrusts us with the message as well. He trusts us with the gospel message, the gospel about Jesus Christ. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says that we are ambassadors for who? For Christ. As though God were pleading through us. It says we were We implore you on Christ's behalf. We beg you on behalf of Jesus as his representatives on this earth. Hey, be reconciled to God. You know, God did his part. He's he's facing us. His arms are stretched wide toward humanity. The only thing that's left to do is for man to stop showing God the back of their heads and to turn around and complete that process of reconciliation. Darrell, how do you do that? You do that by repenting. And put in your faith in none other than Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ plus nothing. We're saved by grace through faith. Salvation is a gift of God. And with the gift, all we need to do with that is receive it. And so we plead with people to be reconciled with God as his ambassadors. And so God entrusted Samuel with that message at that time. And praise God, he saw fit. He sees fit. I'm going to speak in present tense. He sees fit to entrust us as his ambassadors with this gospel message. So we are very privileged. I don't know if we see it that way, but we need to see it that way. But like Samuel, we must share what God wants us to share. We must share what God wants us to share. But you see, after Samuel shared his message with Eli, Eli just accepted it. He didn't resist. He didn't resist what was coming to him and to his lineage. He correctly did not argue with God. He had this type of attitude of, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it. It, Hey, it's the Lord. 
It's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. It's exactly what he says. And in one sense, he's right. Because God is always right in his decisions. And if a person goes to hell, if they're eternally separated from God, it's not because God wanted them to go there. It's because they made a decision to reject the cure, the cure being Jesus Christ, the sickness being sin. Oh, you reject the cure, capital C cure, then you said yes to hell. And God is always right in his decisions. You know, at that great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20, there's going to be all unbelievers standing before him. And it says the books are going to be open. And everybody who's going to be standing before him after the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand year reign of Christ on earth, you have that great white throne judgment. Everybody who stands before him, once again, their names are not going to be in the Lamb's book of life. There's going to be all unbelievers. And so, Darrell, what, are, what is the purpose then for him opening up the books? Well, he's going to judge them according to their works. What Does that mean, Darrell, that they'll get a second chance to get into heaven? No. That's what he's doing there as he's going through their works. That's going to determine the degree of hell they'll experience. For those who know more and they don't do it will be beaten with many strikes. And so it's a serious thing. And so we do implore you, we, we beg anybody who doesn't have a personal relationship with Christ to be reconciled with God. So Samuel grew in verse 19 as we continue. And the Lord was with Samuel and he let none of his words fall to the ground. He let none of Samuel's words fail. And the reason his words didn't fail is because he, were, he was speaking God's words. Now, and I wonder, do you want to get to that point where the words that come out of your mouth won't fail? And, and if you want to get to that point, I would, I would say just speak that which is aligned with the words of God. If you speak his words and his words won't fail, then what comes out of your mouth won't fail. Why? Because it's his word, his eternal word. And all Israel, verse 20, from Dan to Beersheba, they knew that Samuel had been established or confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Now, that phrase there, from Dan to Beersheba, it just means from the northernmost to the southernmost part of Israel. Dan being in the north and Beersheba being in the southernmost area of Israel. So from top to bottom, from north to south, people knew what God was doing in and through Samuel. They recognized him as a prophet, as God's mouthpiece, as God's vessel during that time. Samuel, he was that first in the new line of prophets. He wasn't the very first prophet in the Bible because it, it even says that Abraham, God called Abraham a prophet in one, in one scripture. And he called Moses a prophet. But, but Samuel was the first of a new line of prophets after Moses. And in order to be considered a true prophet of God, 100% of what that prophet claimed to be from God would need to come to pass. You know, God is a 100% type of God. 99.1% is not going to do. You're not going to say you're a prophet of God and only 50% of what you're saying is correct. That won't work. And so to be considered a true prophet of God, 100% of what he claimed to be from the Lord would need to be fulfilled. And, and none of Samuel's words fail because he got them from the true and the living God. He got them from the God who doesn't fail. And they recognized that. But not only was he a prophet, he was also the last of the judges. And he was also a priest. This godly young man served in these various roles. But those of you tonight who are praying about or you have been praying about what gift or gifts God wants you to use on this, time, on this side of eternity. I just want to encourage you in this sense as we look at Samuel, how people recognize that he was a prophet. I want to encourage you in the sense that if you're wondering Am I really a fit here? Am I really supposed to be doing this? Am I really, is this, is this really the gift God wants me to use? 
Well, just like how the people recognize Samuel as a prophet, one way God will confirm that that is a gift, whatever it may be that he wants you to use, is that he'll use people. He'll use other brothers and sisters in Christ to help confirm it. And people will recognize that. And God will use the church to, to kind of um, guide you in, in where you could serve. Hey, there's an opening here or an opening there. Here's an opportunity. And that's something that happened for me personally coming up. Because when I got saved at the, at the age of 18, the only thing I thought, okay, I'm saved now. So I'm just going to live right. I'm going to obey the word of God and share the gospel with whomever. That's all I saw. I never that knew. I didn't know anything about spiritual gifts. I didn't know anything about being a pastor. I had no goals of being any position. I, I just wanted to, I just thought, okay, I'll just serve the Lord and share the gospel with whoever. But, but God used people in, in my church in uh, California when I used to live there in Compton, California, by the way, he used many of those people. Say, hey, Darrell, hey, teach the children Sunday school. Oh, okay. And then I started digging into the word of God. Hey, Darrell, do this. Oh, okay. Hey, Darrell, we, we're looking for some deacons. We want you to be a deacon. Oh, okay. Hey, Darrell, we, 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 we want a youth pastor. We, we voted you youth pastor. Oh, okay. But when I got there, I was like, okay, let me pray about this. When I got to the youth pastor, that's, that's, yeah. But, but God will, will use the saints to, to confirm, hey, this is, yeah, this is where God is using you. I can see that gift in you. And so if you're discouraged tonight and you don't know, you filled, you did the, the, the you filled out the paperwork and you, you tallied up the scores on that form we have there in the East Lobby and, and you still, oh man, I still don't know if this is a fit. God to show it to you because God wants to use you. God wants you to serve. He doesn't want you to just sit there. So just trust God in that. In verse 21, then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So notice how the Lord revealed himself to Samuel through his holy word. And now tonight, in this lesson, as we wrap it up, as we come to the part where we really focus on applying it to our lives, because yes, we receive a lot of information as we do these Bible studies, but there's, there's something that God wants us to take with us and to apply. And so I just want to come to you by way of reminder and just remember that, look, God spoke to Samuel. And, and if God wanted to, I want to share this with you because sometimes we limit God. If God wants to, he, he can speak audibly today if he wanted to. You know, he spoke audibly to, to Samuel, as we saw in our lesson. He spoke audibly to Moses, David, Job, and, and even the apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was on his way to persecute some Christians. Oh, and he heard the audible voice of Jesus. And so, yes, if, if God wanted to, yes, he could speak audibly today. But also, when God speaks, it could, it could also be an inner voice that no one else can hear. And there was a situation where I, I experienced that, and it was something so simple. Something so simple, I, w- I was going to college. Well, th- at this point, I was in my teacher ed program, and, and I didn't even bother to look for a closer parking spot. I just went straight to the back and parked. And as I started walking towards the class, there was this inner voice, and it said, and I'll never forget it, you settle for less. And I believe that was the Lord telling me that I settle for less. And I'll never forget that happened years ago. And I finished my teacher ed program, I think, in 2000, 2002, 2000, no, 2003. And I still remember that. But sometimes the voice of God may sound like a booming thunder or it, it could even sound like a still, small voice. In other words, it can sound like a soft, 
whisper. And so this same God who spoke to Samuel in our lesson today, the same God has used different methods to communicate his message. In the past, he, he spoke through prophets. Scriptures tell us that he also used angels to carry his message. We, we even see that in the New Testament. You know, scriptures also tell us, especially we see this in the Old Testament, how God has spoken directly to people in the, through theophanies, which are manifestations of God that are tangible to the human senses. For example, like the burning bush will be a manifestation or representation of God's presence there. That's an example of a theophany or, or, or God will speak directly in the Old Testament. Again, another example through a Christophany which would be a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. So sometimes you, you see and you have to read the context where it talks about the angel of the Lord with the capital A in the word angel. Many times that's the pre-incarnate Christ or Jesus before he became the, 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 the baby Jesus in the manger. See, Jesus always existed, but... Yet sometimes he spoke directly to people through Christophanies and God has spoken to people through dreams and visions. And there's many people, many testimonies I hear from from different Muslims where Jesus spoke to them in a dream and they came to Christ even today. But you see that in the scriptures. God spoke to people through dreams and visions and has even communicated through a whirlwind. And at one point, ask Job, Job will tell you. God could speak through other believers. And praise God, he's used different believers in my life to, to speak to me. And many of you can say that same thing. But God, of course, speaks through his Holy Spirit. And so there's even instances in, in the book of Acts, for example, where it said, say that the Holy Spirit spoke. And then, of course, the scriptures tell us that God the Father has spoken through Jesus and Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. But I, I don't want you guys to be mistaken. And I don't, always, I don't want you to always wait and look for a burning bush. Not all of us are going to have that experience. So don't try to have the same experience as someone else. You have a personal relationship with God. God wants to deal with you personally. And, and I don't want you to be mistaken that God speaks mostly through his word, the Bible, today. In fact, there's an awesome quote. I just read this book, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Many of you have probably read it. But he says, I think... A new world will arise out of the religious mist when we approach our Bible with the idea that it is not only a book which was once spoken, but it is also a book which is now speaking. Amen. And it says we may use the past tense properly to indicate that at a certain time, a certain word of God was spoken, but a word of God once spoken continues to be spoken as a child once born continues to be alive or a world once created continues to exist. And then I like what he admits. He admits this. He says, and those are but imperfect illustrations for children die and worlds burn out. But look at this. But the word of our God endureth forever. If you would follow on to know the Lord, come at once. Come at once to the open Bible, expecting it to speak with you. And that goes along with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, right? For the word of God is living. It is alive and it's powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner speaking of the word of God, of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so the word is described as sharper once again than any two-edged sword. And the Greek word, by the way, refers to a small or a short sword that is mainly used for stabbing. And it is uh, double-edged. That means that both sides of the blade were sharpened to an edge. 
And so figuratively, figuratively, this is referring to the fact that that at every point that the word penetrates or no matter which way you slice it, that is going to cut. And it could divide between the soul and spirit. In other words, the word can show us if we are having a soulish experience or if we are having a spiritual experience. See, we have both soul and spirit, and, and the soul is the seed of the feelings. It's the seed, in other words, of emotions, of your desires, of your likes and dislikes. It's the seed, speaking of the soul, of your wills and even your natural tendencies to behave a certain way. And so it is your consciousness, but the spirit is the area of God consciousness. This is how we relate to God. The Bible says that, or Jesus, he he says that God is spirit and, and those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth, not a soulish experience, but the word of God is so sharp and it could divide so perfectly that it can show us if we're having just an emotional experience or if we're having a soulish experience or if this is a true spiritual experience. It could even divide the joints and the marrow. So the word can get between the place where the bones join and it can penetrate the bone and get to the marrow. And so what it's saying is that the word penetrates to the very core of our being. It is alive. It is powerful. It could deal with the heart or the root of the matter. It exposes and judges the thoughts or the ideas. It exposes the intentions or the motives of our heart that we may think we're hiding from God. Oh, yes, the, God is, the, the word of God is powerful. It's still useful. It is living today. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It means that it's, that it's breathed out by him. And it's profitable. It's useful for teachings. It's useful for reproof or to show us what's wrong. It's useful for correction and for instruction and righteousness. Or it helps us to see how to do right, that the man or the woman of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so the word of God is living. It is useful still for today. No matter what politicians, no matter what the culture may tell you about the word of God, no matter what these so-called professors may tell you about the word of God, the word of God is still useful and it's living and it's powerful today because it comes from a useful, powerful, and a living God. Now it is sad. When the word of God is so rare, as it says in, in chapter one, it was rare in those days. There was, there was no, uh, you know, fresh word given to any person or prophet during that time. But yeah, it's sad even today when the word of the Lord is so rare in some local churches or in some individuals' lives that they can't even recognize when they hear the word of God. They just think it's some type, it comes from some type of philosophy book. Or, or it's optional in the sense that it's truth if you want it to be. Can't even recognize it when they hear it. Not that the word of God isn't there and, and it's not living. Oh, it's there. But even some churches are not teaching from it. And it's rare, unfortunately, in some churches. It's rare in some individuals' lives because they just set their Bibles aside and, and let it collect dust. Or it's rare to the point in some places where they don't know his voice. So do we know the voice of God? In other words, what we're hearing from a so-called prophet or whoever, what we're hearing from television or social media, what we're reading on there, does it match up? Does it line up with the revealed word of God? Because if it matches up with that, if it's a scripture, a Bible verse, that if that's what they're quoting, then yes, that's his voice. You see, God in our lesson, he wanted to get Samuel's attention. And he wanted to get his attention before he shared the revelation with them. And, and maybe tonight God is trying to share something with us. And therefore, he's trying to get our attention. But I wonder if we're giving him that attention. 
Oh, we claim, oh, I want to hear from the Lord. I want a special word, a timely word from the Lord. But, but are we giving him our attention? Oh, yeah, with Samuel, he came to him with the audible voice. Maybe that's not what he's doing with you. Maybe he, he's waking you up in the wee hours of the night. You have to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning for work or for school. But you're being woken up at 2 a.m. And you don't know why. Or could it be that the Lord is nudging you? Hey, spend some time with me. You've been asking for a word from me and I want to give it to you, but I need, I need your attention. Or maybe the nudge from the Lord is coming through the teaching of the word of God. Maybe there, there, there's, there, there's something tonight that was said that nudged you a bit. Or are you going to give that whatever it may have been? Or are you going to give that your attention so that God could go ahead and reveal whatever it is he wants to reveal to you? Oh, we want to hear the word of God, but are we giving him our attention when we get that nudge? Or maybe that nudge is coming from our spouse or children. Hey, have a family devotional time. Let's do that. That sounds good. I like what that other family is doing. Let's do that. Maybe that nudge is coming from the spouse or children to do that. Or are we giving God our attention as he's using our spouse and children to get us going in that direction? Because God, listen, he wants to reveal something to us. So does he have our attention? And once he has our attention, how will we respond? Oh, Samuel learned how to respond. Samuel, you know, when he took that advice from the Lord, it says in verse 10 that Samuel, once the Lord got his attention in verse 10, it says, Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Or maybe God has gotten your attention to pray. Maybe he's gotten your attention to pray. Maybe he, he woke you up at two or three o'clock in the morning. Maybe he wants you to pray about something that you don't even know about. And during our time of prayer, will we wait and will we listen for confirmation and direction as the worship team takes the stage? Or if he's gotten our attention to pick up the Bible, will we read it? And check this out. Will we expect him to speak to us through his word? Where we expect a timely word for the day. Something that we need to hear right now. Or will we approach a Bible study with the heart of Samuel who, was, who told the Lord, once again, speak for your servant hears. In other words, he was saying, I'm ready to receive whatever God you have for me. Do we approach Men's Bible study, women's Bible study, family Bible study, home fellowship, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, adult Sunday school. Do we approach those Bible studies with a heart that says, Lord, I'm ready to listen. Not only, Lord, am I ready to listen, I'm ready to surrender to your will. Oh, and some things you hear will be just for you. Something that he just wants you to do personally in your life. There'll be some things that, like that. But the question is, how will you respond? How will we respond? Because this word is for me too. And then, of course, there are some things for us to share with others. Maybe through some ministry opportunity. Again, how will we respond? Once he gets our attention. And these are some things to pray about. But I just want to leave you with the final thought. And this final thought is that if you want to know what God said. And if you want to know what God is saying. And if you want to become acquainted or get used to his voice. So you'll be able to tell the difference. So is this my voice? Is this the enemy's voice? Or is this God's voice? If you want to become acquainted with his voice, the final thought for tonight is to meet him 
in the pages of the Bible. Beginning with Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Revelation 22. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you that you are still speaking to us through your word. And Lord, tonight we don't put you in a box. There is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing impossible for you. The only thing that's impossible for you is it's impossible for you to lie because you're not like man. But in your word, Lord, we see truth. In your word, we see sound doctrine. And in your word, Lord, we see what we're doing wrong. We, we, we see how to correct the wrong. We, we see instruction in righteousness. So help us, Lord, to value your word. Because you're speaking. And help us to obey by the power of your spirit. And Lord, if there's anybody tonight who has not yet put their faith in Christ, I pray that you would draw them to Jesus, draw them to your son so that they wouldn't just know about you or know of you, but that they would truly experience you in a personal relationship and that their home for eternity will be with you. And so, Father, I pray that you bless my brothers and sisters throughout the remainder of their night. Bless them on the way home. Protect them, Lord. Give them traveling grace. Use them in a mighty way this week, Father. And, Lord, I do pray for opportunities to minister to others and to share the gospel with those who don't have Jesus in their lives. May you open doors, Father, as you see fit. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. Amen. All right. If you're able to stand, please do as we sing this last song to the Lord and glorify him. Thank you so much for coming out. Continue to keep us in prayer. We'll keep you in prayer. God bless you and we love you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.